You're listening to The Big Bible Read, an initiative of the Pulse and the Word radio stations. For Bible study resources and to join a community of other Bible readers, visit BigBibleRead.com. Leviticus chapter 1. Then the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the meeting tent. Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When someone among you presents an offering to the Lord, you must present your offering from the domesticated animals, either from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he must present it as a flawless male. He must present it at the entrance of the meeting tent for its acceptance before the Lord. He must lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. Then the one presenting the offering must slaughter the bull before the Lord, and the sons of Aaron, the priests, must present the blood and splash the blood against the sides of the altar, which is at the entrance of the meeting tent. Next, the one presenting the offering must skin the burnt offering and cut it into parts, and the sons of Aaron, the priest, must put fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the fire. Then the sons of Aaron, the priests, must arrange the parts with the head and the suet on the wood that is in the fire on the altar. Finally, the one presenting the offering must wash its entrails and its legs in water, and the priest must offer all of it up in smoke on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a gift of a soothing aroma to the Lord. If his offering is from the flock for a burnt offering, from the sheep or the goats, he must present a flawless male and must slaughter it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, will splash its blood against the altar's sides. Next, the one presenting the offering must cut it into parts with its head and its suet, and the priest must arrange them on the wood that is in the fire on the altar. Then the one presenting the offering must wash the entrails and the legs in water, and the priest must present all of it and offer it up in smoke on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a gift of a soothing aroma to the Lord. If his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, he must present his offering from the turtle doves or from the young pigeons. The priest must present it at the altar, pinch off its head, and offer the head up in smoke on the altar, and its blood must be drained out against the side of the altar. Then the priest must remove its entrails by cutting off its tail feathers and throw them to the east side of the altar into the place of fatty ashes, and tear it open by its wings without dividing it into two parts. Finally, the priest must offer it up in smoke on the altar, on the wood which is in the fire. It is a burnt offering, a gift of a soothing aroma to the Lord. Chapter 2 When a person presents a grain offering to the Lord, his offering must consist of choice wheat flour, and he must pour olive oil on it and put frankincense on it. Then he must bring it to the sons of Aaron, the priests, and the priest must scoop out from there a handful of its choice wheat flour and some of its olive oil in addition to all of its frankincense. And the priest must offer its memorial portion up in smoke on the altar. It is a gift of soothing aroma to the Lord. The remainder of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and to his sons. It is most holy from the gifts of the Lord. When you present an offering of grain baked in an oven, it must be made of choice wheat flour baked into unleavened loaves mixed with olive oil or unleavened wafers smeared with olive oil. If your offering is a grain offering made on the griddle, it must be choice wheat flour mixed with olive oil, unleavened. Crumble it in pieces and pour olive oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your offering is a grain offering made in a pan, it must be made of choice wheat flour deep fried in olive oil. You must bring the grain offering that must be made from these to the Lord. Present it to the priest and he will bring it to the altar. 
Then the priest must take up from the grain offering its memorial portion and offer it up in smoke on the altar. It is a gift of soothing aroma to the Lord. The remainder of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and to his sons. It is most holy from the gifts of the Lord. No grain offering which you present to the Lord can be made with yeast, for you must not offer up in smoke any yeast or honey as a gift to the Lord. You can present them to the Lord as an offering of first fruit, but they must not go up to the altar for a soothing aroma. Moreover, you must season every one of your grain offerings with salt. You must not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be missing from your grain offering. On every one of your grain offerings, you must present salt. If you present a grain offering of first ripe grain to the Lord, you must present your grain offering of first ripe grain as soft kernels roasted in fire, crushed bits of fresh grain, and you must put olive oil on it and set frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. Then the priest must offer its memorial portion up in smoke, some of its crushed bits, some of its olive oil, in addition to all of its frankincense. It is a gift to the Lord. Leviticus chapter 3. Now if his offering is a peace offering sacrifice, if he presents an offering from the herd, he must present before the Lord a flawless male or a female. He must lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it in the entrance of the meeting tent. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, must splash the blood against the altar sides. Then the one presenting the offering must present a gift to the Lord from the peace offering sacrifice. He must remove the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that surrounds the entrails. The two kidneys with the fat on their sinews and the protruding lobe on the liver, which he is to remove along with the kidneys. Then the sons of Aaron must offer it up in smoke on the altar atop the burnt offering that is on the wood in the fire as a gift of soothing aroma to the Lord. If his offering for a peace offering sacrifice to the Lord is from the flock, he must present a flawless male or female. If he presents a sheep as his offering, he must present it before the Lord. He must lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it before the meeting tent, and the sons of Aaron must splash its blood against the altar's sides. Then he must present a gift to the Lord from the peace offering sacrifice. He must remove all the fatty tail up to the end of the spine, the fat covering the entrails, and all the fat on the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat on their sinews, and the protruding lobe on the liver, which he is to remove along with the kidneys. Then the priest must offer it up in smoke on the altar as a food gift to the Lord. If his offering is a goat, he must present it before the Lord, lay his hand on its head, and slaughter it before the meeting tent, and the sons of Aaron must splash its blood against the altar sides. Then he must present from it his offering as a gift to the Lord, the fat which covers the entrails, and all the fat on the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat on their sinews, and the protruding lobe on the liver, which he is to remove along with the kidneys. Then the priest must offer them up in smoke on the altar as a food gift for a soothing aroma. All the fat belongs to the Lord." This is a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all the places where you live. You must never eat any fat or any blood. Chapter 4 Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, When a person sins by straying unintentionally from any of the Lord's commandments, which must not be violated, and violates any one of them, if the high priest sins so that the people are guilty, On account of the sin he has committed, he must present a flawless young bull to the Lord for a sin offering. He must bring the bull to the entrance of the meeting tent before the Lord, lay his hand on the head of the bull, and slaughter the bull before the Lord. Then that high priest must take some of the blood of the bull and bring it to the meeting tent. 
the priest must dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord toward the front of the special curtain of the sanctuary. The priest must put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, a fragrant incense that is before the Lord in the meeting tent, and all the rest of the bull's blood he must pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the meeting tent. Then he must take up all the fat from the sin offering bowl, the fat covering the entrails, and all the fat surrounding the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat on their sinews, and the protruding lobe on the liver, which he is to remove along with the kidneys, just as it is taken from the ox of the peace offering sacrifice. And the priest must offer them up in smoke on the altar of burnt offering. But the hide of the bull, all its flesh along with its head and its legs, its entrails and its dung, all the rest of the bull... He must bring outside the camp to a ceremonially clean place, to the fatty ash pile, and he must burn it on a wood fire, and must be burned on the fatty ash pile. If the whole congregation of Israel strays unintentionally, and the matter is not noticed by the assembly, and they violate one of the Lord's commandments, which must not be violated, so they become guilty. The assembly must present a young bull for a sin offering, when the sin they have committed becomes known. They must bring it before the meeting tent. The elders of the congregation must lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and someone must slaughter the bull before the Lord. Then the high priest must bring some of the blood of the bull to the meeting tent, and that priest must dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord toward the front of the curtain. He must put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord in the meeting tent, and all the rest of the blood he must pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering, that is at the entrance of the meeting tent. Then the priest must take all its fat and offer the fat up in smoke on the altar. He must do with the rest of the bull just as he did with the bull of the sin offering. This is what he must do with it. So the priest will make atonement on their behalf and they will be forgiven. He must bring the rest of the bull outside the camp and burn it, just as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering of the assembly. Whenever a leader, by straying unintentionally, sins and violates one of the commandments of the Lord his God, which must not be violated, and he pleads guilty, or his sin that he committed is made known to him, he must bring a flawless male goat as his offering. He must lay his hand on the head of the male goat and slaughter it in the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest must take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and he must pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering. Then the priest must offer all of its fat up in smoke on the altar, like the fat of the peace offering sacrifice. So the priest will make atonement on his behalf for his sin, and he will be forgiven. If an ordinary individual sins by straying unintentionally when he violates one of the Lord's commandments, which must not be violated, and he pleads guilty, or his sin that he committed is made known to him, he must bring a flawless female goat as his offering for the sin that he committed. He must lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter the sin offering in the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. Then the priest must take some of its blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and he must pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all of its fat, just as fat was removed from the peace offering sacrifice, and the priest must offer it up in smoke on the altar for a soothing aroma to the Lord. So the priest will make atonement on his behalf, and he will be forgiven. But if he brings a sheep as his offering for a sin offering, he must bring a flawless female. He must lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it for a sin offering in the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. 
Then the priest must take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and he must pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. Then the one who brought the offering must remove all its fat, just as the fat of the sheep is removed from the peace offering sacrifice. And the priest must offer up in smoke on the altar on top of the other gifts for the Lord. So the priest will make atonement on his behalf for his sin, which he has committed, and he will be forgiven. Chapter 5. When a person sins in that he hears a public curse against one who fails to testify, and he is a witness, he either saw or knew what had happened, and he does not make it known, then he will bear his punishment for iniquity. Or when there is a person who touches anything ceremonially unclean, whether the carcass of an unclean wild animal, or the carcass of an unclean domesticated animal, or the carcass of an unclean creeping thing, even if he did not realize it, he has become unclean and is guilty. Or when he touches human uncleanness with regard to anything by which he can become unclean, even if he did not realize it, but he has later come to know it and is guilty. Or when a person swears an oath, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips, whether to do evil or to do good, with regard to anything which the individual might speak thoughtlessly in an oath, even if he did not realize it, but he has later come to know it and is guilty with regard to one of these oaths. When an individual becomes guilty with regard to one of these things, he must confess how he has sinned, and he must bring his penalty for guilt to the Lord for his sin that he has committed. A female from the flock, whether a female sheep or a female goat, for a sin offering. So the priest will make atonement on his behalf for his sin. If he cannot afford an animal from the flock, he must bring his penalty for guilt for his sin that he has committed. Two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the Lord, one for a sin offering and one for a burnt offering. He must bring them to the priest and present first the one that is for a sin offering. The priest must pinch its head at the nape of its neck, but must not sever the head from the body. Then he must sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the wall of the altar, and the remainder of the blood must be squeezed out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. The second bird, he must make a burnt offering according to the standard regulation. So the priest will make atonement on behalf of this person for his sin which he has committed, and he will be forgiven. If he cannot afford two turtle doves or two young pigeons, he must bring as his offering for his sin which he has committed a tenth of an ephah of choice wheat flour for a sin offering. He must not place olive oil on it, and he must not put frankincense on it, because it is a sin offering. He must bring it to the priest, and the priest must scoop out from it a handful as its memorial portion, and offer it up in smoke on the altar on top of the other gifts of the Lord. It is a sin offering. So the priest will make atonement on his behalf for his sin, which he has committed by doing one of these things, and he will be forgiven. The remainder of the offering will belong to the priest like the grain offering. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. When a person commits a trespass and sins by straying unintentionally from the regulations about the Lord's holy things, then he must bring his penalty for guilt to the Lord, a flawless ram from the flock, convertible into silver shekels according to the standard of the sanctuary shekel for a guilt offering. And whatever holy thing he violated, he must restore and must add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So the priest will make atonement on his behalf with the guilt offering ram, and he will be forgiven. If a person sins and violates any of the Lord's commandments, that must not be violated, although he did not know it at the time but later realizes he is guilty, that he will bear his punishment for iniquity and must bring a flawless ram from the flock, convertible into silver shekels, for a guilt offering to the priest. 
So the priest will make atonement on his behalf for his error that he committed, although he himself had not known it, and he will be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He was surely guilty before the Lord. Leviticus chapter 6. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. When a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by deceiving his fellow citizen in regard to something held in trust or a pledge or something stolen or by extorting something from his fellow citizen or has found something lost and denies it and swears falsely concerning any one of the things that someone might do to sin, when it happens that he sins and he is found guilty, then he must return whatever he has stolen or whatever he had extorted or the thing that he had held in trust or the lost thing that he had found, or anything about which he swears falsely. He must restore it in full and add one-fifth to it. He must give it to its owner when he is found guilty. Then he must bring his guilt offering to the Lord, a flawless ram from the flock, convertible into silver shekels for a guilt offering to the priest. So the priest will make atonement on his behalf before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for whatever he has done to become guilty. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Command Aaron and his sons, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the hearth of the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar must be kept burning on it. Then the priest must put on his linen robe and must put linen leggings over his bare flesh, and he must take up the fatty ashes of the burnt offering that the fire consumed on the altar, and he must place them beside the altar. Then he must take off his clothes and put on other clothes, and he must bring the fatty ashes outside the camp to a ceremonially clean place. But the fire which is on the altar must be kept burning on it. It must not be extinguished. So the priest must kindle wood on it morning by morning, and he must arrange the burnt offering on it and offer the fat of the peace offering up in smoke on it. A continual fire must be kept burning on the altar. It must not be extinguished. This is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron are to present it before the Lord in front of the altar. And the priest must take up with his hand some of the choice wheat flour of the grain offering and some of its olive oil and all of the frankincense that is on the grain offering. And he must offer its memorial portion up in smoke on the altar as a soothing aroma to the Lord. Aaron and his sons are to eat what is left over from it. It must be eaten unleavened in a holy place. They are to eat it in the courtyard of the meeting tent. It must not be baked with yeast. I have given it as their portion from my gifts. It is most holy, like the sin offering and the guilt offering. Every male among the sons of Aaron may eat it. It is a perpetual allotted portion throughout your generations from the gifts of the Lord. Anyone who touches these gifts must be holy. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they must present to the Lord on the day when he is anointed, a tenth of an ephah of choice wheat flour as a continual grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it in the evening. It must be made with olive oil on a griddle, and you must bring it well soaked. So you must present a grain offering of broken pieces as a soothing aroma to the Lord. The high priest who succeeds him from among his sons must do it. It is a perpetual statute. It must be offered up in smoke as a whole offering to the Lord. Every grain offering of a priest must be a whole offering. It must not be eaten. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered, the sin offering must be slaughtered before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin is to eat it. It must be eaten in a holy place, in the courtyard of the meeting tent. 
Anyone who touches its meat must be holy, and whoever spatters some of its blood on a garment must wash whatever he spatters it on in a holy place. Any clay vessel it is boiled in must be broken, and if it was boiled in a bronze vessel, then that vessel must be rubbed out and rinsed in water. Any male among the priests may eat it. It is most holy. But any sin offering from which some of its blood is brought into the meeting tent to make atonement in the sanctuary must not be eaten. It must be burned up in the fire. Chapter 7. This is the law of the guilt offering. It is most holy. In the place where they slaughter the burnt offering, they must slaughter the guilt offering, and the officiating priest must splash the blood against the altar sides. Then the one making the offering must present all its fat, the fatty tail, the fat covering the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat on their sinews, and the protruding lobe on the liver, which he must remove along with the kidneys. Then the priest must offer them up in smoke on the altar as a gift to the Lord. It is a guilt offering. Any male among the priests may eat it. It must be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The law is the same for the sin offering and the guilt offering. It belongs to the priest who makes atonement with it. As for the priest who presents someone's burnt offering, the hide of that burnt offering which he presented belongs to him. Every grain offering which is baked in the oven or made in the pan or on the griddle belongs to the priest who presented it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with olive oil or dry, belongs to all the sons of Aaron, each one alike. This is the law of the peace offering sacrifice, which he is to present to the Lord. If he presents it on account of thanksgiving, along with a thank offering sacrifice, he must present unleavened loaves mixed with olive oil, unleavened wafers smeared with olive oil, and well-soaked ring-shaped loaves made of choice wheat flour mixed with olive oil. He must present this grain offering in addition to ring-shaped loaves of leavened bread, which regularly accompany the sacrifice of his thanksgiving peace offering. He must present one of each kind of grain offering as a contribution offering to the Lord. It belongs to the priest who splashes the blood of the peace offering. The meat of his thanksgiving peace offering must be eaten on the day of his offering. He must not set aside. He must not set any of it aside until morning. If his offering is a votive or freewill sacrifice, it may be eaten on the day he presents his sacrifice, and also the leftovers from it may be eaten on the next day. But the leftovers from the meat of the sacrifice must be burned up in the fire on the third day. If some of the meat of his peace offering sacrifice is ever eaten on the third day, it will not be accepted. It will not be accounted to the one who presented it, since it is spoiled, and the person who eats from it will bear his punishment for iniquity." The meat which touches anything ceremonially unclean must not be eaten. It must be burned up in the fire. As for ceremonially clean meat, everyone who is ceremonially clean may eat the meat. The person who eats meat from the peace offering sacrifice, which belongs to the Lord, while that person's uncleanliness persists, will be cut off from his people. When a person touches anything unclean, whether human uncleanness or an unclean animal or an unclean detestable creature, and eat some of the meat of the peace offering sacrifice which belongs to the Lord, that person will be cut off from his people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You must not eat any fat of an ox, sheep, or goat. Moreover, the fat of an animal that has died of natural causes, and the fat of an animal torn by beasts, may be used for any other purpose, but you must certainly never eat it. If anyone eats fat from the animal from which he presents a gift to the Lord, that person will be cut off from his people. And you must not eat any blood of the birds or of the domesticated land animals in any of the places where you live. Any person who eats any blood, that person will be cut off from his people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, 
the one who presents his peace offering sacrifice to the Lord, must bring part of his offering to the Lord as his sacrifice. With his own hands, he must bring the Lord's gifts. He must bring the fat with the breast to wave the breast as a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest must offer the fat up in the smoke on the altar, but the breast will belong to Aaron and his sons. The right thigh you must give as a contribution offering to the priest from your peace offering sacrifice. The one from Aaron's sons who presents the blood of the peace offering and fat will have the right thigh as a share. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the contribution offering I have taken from the Israelites out of their peace offering sacrifices and given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons from the people of Israel as a perpetual allotted portion. This is the allotment of Aaron and the allotment of his sons from the Lord's gifts on the day Moses presented them as priests to the Lord. This is what the Lord commanded to give to them from the Israelites on the day Moses anointed them, a perpetual allotted portion throughout their generations. This is the law for the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the ordination offering, and the peace offering sacrifice, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day he commanded the Israelites to present their offerings to the Lord in the desert of Sinai. Leviticus chapter 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, the sin offering bowl, the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble the whole congregation at the entrance of the meeting tent. So Moses did just as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation assembled at the entrance of the meeting tent. Then Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord has commanded to be done. So Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and splashed them with water. Then he put the tunic on Aaron, wrapped the sash around him, and clothed him with the robe. Next he put the ephod on him, and placed on him the decorated band of the ephod, and fastened the ephod closely to him with the band. Then he set the breastpiece on him, and put the urim and thunim into the breastpiece. Then he set the turban on his head and attached the gold plate, the holy diadem, to the front of the turban, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, and so consecrated them. Next, he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, and so anointed the altar, all its vessels, and the wash basin and its stand to consecrate them. He then poured some of the anointing oil on the head of Aaron and anointed him to consecrate him. Moses also brought forward Aaron's sons, clothed them with tunics, wrapped sashes around them, and wrapped headbands on them just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he brought near the sin offering bowl, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the sin offering bowl, and he slaughtered it. Moses then took the blood and put it all around on the horns of the altar with his finger and purified the altar. And he poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar and so consecrated it to make atonement on it. Then he took all the fat on the entrails, the protruding lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys and their fat, and Moses offered it all up in smoke on the altar. But the rest of the bull its hide, its flesh, and its dung, he completely burned up outside the camp, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he presented the burnt offering ram, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he slaughtered it. Moses then splashed the blood against the altar sides. Then he cut the ram into parts, and Moses offered the head, the parts, and the suet up in smoke. But the entrails and the legs he washed with water. And Moses offered the whole ram up in smoke on the altar, it was a burnt offering for a soothing aroma, a gift to the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he presented the second ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he slaughtered it. Moses then took some of its blood and put it on Aaron's right earlobe, 
on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons forward, and Moses put some of the blood on their right earlobes, on their right thumbs, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses splashed the rest of the blood against the altar sides. Then he took the fat, the fatty tail, all the fat on the entrails, the protruding lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys in their fat, and the right thigh, and from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf, one loaf of bread mixed with olive oil, and one wafer, and placed them on the fat parts and on the right thigh. He then put all of them on the palms of Aaron and his sons, who waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Moses then took them from their palms and offered them up in smoke on the altar on top of the burnt offering. They were an ordination offering for a soothing aroma. It was a gift to the Lord. Finally, Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord from the ram of ordination. It was Moses' share, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and his sons' garments. So he consecrated Aaron, his garments, and his sons, and his sons' garments. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the meat at the entrance of the meeting tent, and there you are to eat it and the bread which is in the ordination offering basket, just as I have commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons are to eat it. But the remainder of the meat and the bread you must burn with fire, and you must not go out from the entrance of the meeting tent for seven days, until the day when your days of ordination are completed, because you must be ordained over a seven-day period. What has been done on this day the Lord has commanded to be done to make atonement for you. You must reside at the entrance of the meeting tent day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord's that you will not die. For this is what I have commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things the Lord had commanded through Moses. Chapter 9 on the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel and said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both flawless, and present them before the Lord. Then tell the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old and flawless, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with olive oil, for today the Lord is going to appear to you. So they took what Moses had commanded to the front of the meeting tent, and the whole congregation presented them and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Moses then said to Aaron, Approach the altar and make your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement on behalf of yourself and on behalf of the people, and also make the people's offering and make atonement on behalf of them, just as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron approached the altar and slaughtered the sin offering calf, which was for himself. Then Aaron's sons presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar, and the rest of the blood he poured out at the base of the altar. The fat and the kidneys and the protruding lobe of the liver from the sin offering he offered up in smoke on the altar, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. But the flesh and the hide he completely burned up outside the camp. He then slaughtered the burnt offering, and his sons handed the blood to him, and he splashed it against the altar's sides. The burnt offering itself they handed to him by its parts, including the head, and he offered them up in smoke on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs, and offered them up in smoke on top of the burnt offering on the altar.
Then he presented the people's offering. He took the sin offering male goat, which was for the people, slaughtered it, and performed a purification rite with it, like the first one. He then presented the burnt offering and did it according to the standard regulation. Next, he presented the grain offering, filled his hand with some of it, and offered it up in smoke on the altar, in addition to the morning burnt offering. Then he slaughtered the ox and the ram, the peace offering sacrifices which were for the people, and Aaron's sons handed the blood to him, and he splashed it against the altar's sides. As for the fat parts from the ox and from the ram, the fatty tail, the fat covering the entrails, the kidneys, and the protruding lobe of the liver, they set those on the breasts, and he offered the fat parts up in smoke on the altar. Finally, Aaron waved the breasts and the right thigh as a wave offering before the Lord, just as Moses had commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them and descended from making the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering. Moses and Aaron then entered into the meeting tent. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then fire went out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat parts on the altar, and all the people saw it. So they shouted loudly and fell down with their faces to the ground. Leviticus chapter 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphon, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp, as Moses ordered. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the Israelites, may mourn for those who the Lord destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, and so you can teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, Take the grain offering left over from the food offerings prepared without yeast and present it to the Lord and eat it beside the altar, for it is most holy. Eat it in the sanctuary area, because it is your share and your son's share of the food offerings presented to the Lord, for so I have been commanded. But you and your sons and your daughters may eat the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. Eat them in a ceremonially clean place. They have been given to you and your children as your share of the Israelites' fellowship offerings. The thigh that was presented and the breast that was waved must be brought with the fat portions of the food offerings to be waved before the Lord as a wave offering. This will be the perpetual share for you and your children as the Lord has commanded. 
When Moses inquired about the goat of the sin offering and found that it had been burned up, he was angry with Eliezer and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons, and asked, Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sanctuary area? It is most holy. It was given to you to take away the guilt of the community by making atonement for them before the Lord. Since its blood was not taken into the holy place, you should have eaten the goat in the sanctuary area as I commanded. Aaron replied to Moses, Today they sacrificed their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, but such things as this have happened to me. Would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Chapter 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on the land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has divided hoof and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have the divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Of all the creatures living in the water of the seas and the streams, you may eat any that have fins and scales. But all creatures in the seas or streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things or among all the other living creatures in the water, you are to regard as unclean. And since you are to regard them as unclean, you must not eat their meat, and you must regard their carcasses as unclean. Anything living in the water does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean by you. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not eat because they are unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean by you. There are, however, some flying insects that walk on all fours that you may eat, those that have jointed legs for hopping on the ground. Of these, you may eat any kind of locust, katydid, cricket, or grasshopper. But all other flying insects that have four legs you are to regard as unclean. You will make yourselves unclean by these. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. Every animal that does not have a divided hoof or that does not chew the cud is unclean for you. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them will be unclean. Of all the animals that walk on all fours, those that walk on their paws are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up their carcasses must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. These animals are unclean for you. Of the animals that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. The weasel, the rat, any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink, and the chameleon. Of all those that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean till evening. When one of them dies and falls on something, that article, whatever its use, will be unclean, whether it is made of wood, cloth, hide, or sackcloth. Put it in water. It will be unclean till evening, and then it will be clean. 
If one of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it will be unclean, and you must break the pot. Any food you are allowed to eat that has come into contact with water from such a pot is unclean, and any liquid that is drunk from such a pot is unclean. Anything that one of their carcasses falls on becomes unclean. An oven or cooking pot must be broken up. They are unclean, and you are to regard them as unclean. A spring, however, or a cistern for collecting water remains clean, but anyone who touches one of the carcasses is unclean. If a carcass falls on any seeds that are to be planted, they remain clean. But if water has been put on the seed and a carcass falls on it, it is unclean for you. If an animal that you are allowed to eat dies, anyone who touches its carcass will be unclean till evening. Anyone who eats some of its carcass must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up the carcass must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. Every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It is not to be eaten. You are not to eat any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet. It is unclean. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. These are the regulations concerning animals, birds, every living thing that moves about in the water, and every creature that moves along the ground. You must distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between living creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. Leviticus chapter 12. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, when a woman produces offspring and bears a male child, she will be unclean seven days, as she is unclean during the days of her menstruation. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin must be circumcised. Then she will remain 33 days in blood purity. She must not touch anything holy, and she must not enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. If she bears a female child, she will be impure 14 days as during her menstrual flow, and she will remain 66 days in blood purity. When the days of her purification are completed for a son or for a daughter, she must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering to the entrance of the meeting tent to the priest. The priest is to present it before the Lord and make atonement on her behalf, and she will be clean from her flow of blood. This is the law of the one who bears a child, for the male or the female child. If she cannot afford a sheep, then she must take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and one for a sin offering, and the priest is to make atonement on her behalf, and she will be clean. Chapter 13. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. When someone has a swelling or a scab or a bright spot on the skin of his body that may become a diseased infection, he must be brought to Aaron the priest or one of his sons, the priests. The priest must examine the infection on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection is turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of the body, then it is a diseased infection. So when the priest examines it, he must pronounce the person unclean. If it is a white, bright spot on the skin of his body, but does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair is not turned white, then the priest is to quarantine the person with the infection for seven days. The priest must then examine it on the seventh day, and if, as far as he can see, the infection has stayed the same and has not spread on the skin, then the priest is to quarantine the person for another seven days. The priest must then examine it again on the seventh day, and if the infection is faded and is not spread on the skin, then the priest is to pronounce the person clean. 
It is a scab, so he must wash his clothes and be clean. If, however, the scab is spreading further on the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his purification, then he must show himself to the priest a second time. The priest must then examine it, and if the scab is spread on the skin, then the priest is to pronounce the person unclean. It is a disease. When someone has a diseased infection, he must be brought to the priest. The priest will then examine it, and if the white swelling is on the skin, it has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling. It is a chronic disease on the skin of his body, so the priest is to pronounce him unclean. The priest must not merely quarantine him, for he is unclean. If, however, the disease breaks out on the skin, so that the disease covers all the skin of the person with the infection, from his head to his feet, as far as the priest can see, the priest must then examine it, and if the disease covers his whole body, he is to pronounce the person with the infection clean. He has turned all white, so he is clean. But whenever raw flesh appears in it, he will be unclean. So the priest is to examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. It is diseased. If, however, the raw flesh once again turns white, then he must come to the priest. The priest will then examine it. And if the infection is turned white, the priest is to pronounce the person with the infection clean. He is clean. When someone's body has a boil on its skin and it heals, and in the place of the boil there is a white swelling or a reddish-white bright spot, he must show himself to the priest. The priest will then examine it, and if it appears to be deeper than the skin and its hair is turned white, then the priest has pronounced the person unclean. It is a diseased infection that has broken out in the boil. If, however, the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in it, it is not deeper than the skin, and it is faded, then the priest is to quarantine him for seven days. If it is spreading further on the skin, then the priest is to pronounce him unclean. It is an infection. But if the bright spot stays in its place and has not spread, it is a scar of the boil, so the priest is to pronounce him clean. When a body has a burn on its skin, and the raw area of the burn becomes a reddish-white or a white bright spot, the priest must examine it. And if the hair has turned white at the bright spot, and it appears to be deeper than the skin, it is a disease that has broken out in the burn. The priest is to pronounce the person unclean. It is a diseased infection. If, however, the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in the bright spot, it is not deeper than the skin, and it is faded. Then the priest is to quarantine him for seven days. The priest must then examine it on the seventh day, and if it is spreading further on the skin, then the priest is to pronounce him unclean. It is a diseased infection. But if the bright spot stays in its place, has not spread on the skin, and it is faded, then it is the swelling of the burn. So the priest is to pronounce him clean because it is the scar of the burn. When a man or woman has an infection on the head, or in the beard, the priest is to examine the infection, and if it appears to be deeper than the skin, and the hair in it is reddish-yellow and thin, then the priest is to pronounce the person unclean. It is skull, a disease of the head or the beard. But if the priest examines the skull infection, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest is to quarantine the person with the skull infection for seven days. The priest must examine the infection on the seventh day, and if the skull has not spread, there is no reddish-yellow hair in it, and the skull does not appear to be deeper than the skin. Then the individual is to shave himself, but he must not shave the area affected by the skull, and the priest is to quarantine the person with the skull for another seven days. The priest must then examine the skull on the seventh day, and if the skull is not spread on the skin, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, then the priest is to pronounce him clean, so he is to wash his clothes and be clean. If, however, the skull spreads further on the skin after his purification, 
then the priest is to examine it, and if the skull has spread on the skin, the priest is not to search further for reddish-yellow hair. The person is unclean. If, as far as the priest can see, the skull has stayed the same, and black hair has sprouted in it, the skull has been healed. The person is clean, so the priest is to pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has bright spots, white bright spots, on the skin of their body, the priest is to examine them, and if the bright spots on the skin of their body are faded white, it is a harmless rash that has broken out on the skin. The person is clean. When a man's head is bare so that he is balding in back, he is clean. If his head is bare on the forehead so that he is balding in front, he is clean. But if there is a reddish-white infection in the back or front bald area, it is a disease breaking out in his back or front bald area. The priest is to examine it, and if the swelling of the infection is reddish-white in the back or the front bald area, like the appearance of a disease on the skin of the body, he is a diseased man. He is unclean. The priest must surely pronounce him unclean because of his infection on his head. As for the diseased person who has the infection, his clothes must be torn, the hair of his head must be unbound, he must cover his mustache, and he must call out, unclean, unclean. The whole time he has the infection, he will be continually unclean. He must live in isolation, and his place of residence must be outside the camp. When a garment has a diseased infection in it, when a garment has a diseased infection in it, whether a wool or a linen garment, or on the warp or woof of the linen or the wool, or in the leather or anything made of leather, if the infection in the garment or leather or warp or woof of any article of leather is yellowish green or reddish, it is a diseased infection, and it must be shown to the priest. The priest is to examine and then quarantine the article with the infection for seven days. He must then examine the infection on the seventh day. If the infection has spread in the garment, or in the warp, or in the woof, or in the leather, whatever the article into which the leather was made, the infection is a malignant disease. It is unclean. He must burn the garment, or the warp, or the woof, whether wool or linen, or any article of leather which has the infection in it. Because it is a malignant disease, it must be burned up in the fire. But if the priest examines it and the infection is not spread in the garment or in the warp or in the woof or in any article of leather, the priest is to command that they wash whatever has the infection and quarantine it for another seven days. The priest must then examine it after the infection has been washed out. And if the infection has not changed its appearance, even though the infection is not spread, it is unclean. You must burn it up in the fire. It is a fungus, whether on the back side or the front side of the article. But if the priest has examined it and the infection has faded after it has been washed, he is to tear it out of the garment or the leather or the warp or the woof. Then if it still appears again in the garment or the warp or the woof or in any article of leather, it is an outbreak. Whatever has the infection in it, you must burn up in the fire. But the garment or the warp or the woof of any article of leather which you wash and infection disappears from it, it is to be washed a second time and it will be clean. This is the law of the diseased infection in the garment of wool or linen or the warp or woof or of any article of leather for pronouncing it clean or unclean. Leviticus 14. The Lord spoke to Moses. This is the law of the diseased person on the day of purification when he is brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine the infection. If the infection of the diseased person has been healed, then the priest will command that two live clean birds, a piece of cedar wood, a scrap of crimson fabric, and some twigs of hyssop be taken up for the one being cleansed. 
The priest will then command that one bird be slaughtered into a clay vessel over fresh water. Then he is to take the live bird along with a piece of cedar wood, the scrap of crimson fabric, and the twigs of hyssop, and he is to dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird slaughtered over the fresh water and sprinkle it seven times on the one being cleansed from the disease. Pronounce him clean and send the live bird away over the open countryside. The one being cleansed must then wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and bathe in water, and so be clean. Then afterward he may enter the camp, but he must live outside his tent seven days. When the seventh day comes, he must shave all his hair, his head, his beard, his eyebrows, all his hair, and he must wash his clothes, bathe his body in water, and so be clean. On the eighth day, he must take two flawless male lambs, one flawless yearling female lamb, three-tenths of an ephah of choice wheat flour as a grain offering mixed with olive oil, and one log of olive oil. And the priest who pronounces him clean will have the man who is being cleansed stand along with these offerings beside the Lord at the entrance of the meeting tent. The priest is to take one male lamb and present it for a guilt offering along with a log of olive oil and present them as a wave offering before the Lord. He must then slaughter the male lamb in the place where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered in the sanctuary because like the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. Then the priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the right earlobe of the one being cleansed on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest will then take some of the log of olive oil and pour it on his own left hand. Then the priest is to dip his right forefinger into the olive oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some of the olive oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. The priest will then put some of the rest of the olive oil that is in his hand on the right earlobe of the one being cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the guilt offering and the remainder of the olive oil that is in his hand, the priest is to put on the head of the one being cleansed. So the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest must then perform the sin offering and make atonement for the one being cleansed from his impurity. After that, he is to slaughter the burnt offering, and the priest is to offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest is to make atonement for him, and he will be clean. If the person is poor and does not have sufficient means, he must take one male lamb as a guilt offering for a wave offering to make atonement for himself, one-tenth of an ephah of choice wheat flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering, a log of olive oil, and two turtle doves or young pigeons, which are within his means. One will be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. On the eighth day, he must bring them for his purification to the priest at the entrance of the meeting tent before the Lord. And the priest is to take the male lamb of the guilt offering and the log of olive oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he is to slaughter the male lamb of the guilt offering and the priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the right earlobe of the one being cleansed on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest will then pour some of the olive oil into his own left hand and sprinkle some of the olive oil that is in his left hand with his right forefinger seven times before the Lord. Then the priest is to put some of the olive oil that is in his hand on the right earlobe of the one being cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the place of the blood of the guilt offering and the remainder of the olive oil that is in the hand of the priest he is to put on the head of the one being cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. He will then make one of the turtle doves or young pigeons which are within his means a sin offering and the other a burnt offering along with the grain offering. So the priest is to make atonement for the one being cleansed before the Lord. This is the law of the one whom there is a diseased infection who does not have sufficient means for his purification. 
The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I am about to give to you for a possession, and I put a diseased infection in a house in the land you are to possess, then whoever owns the house must come and declare to the priest, Something like an infection is visible to me in the house. Then the priest will command that the house be cleared before the priest enters to examine the infection, so that everything in the house does not become unclean. And afterward the priest will enter to examine the house. He is to examine the infection, and if the infection in the walls of the house consists of yellowish-green or reddish eruptions, and it appears to be deeper than the surface of the wall, then the priest is to go out of the house to the doorway of the house and quarantine the house for seven days. The priest must return on the seventh day and examine it, and if the infection has spread in the walls of the house, then the priest is to command that the stones that had the infection in them be pulled and thrown outside the city into an unclean place. Then they shall scrape the house all around on the inside, and the plaster which they have scraped off must be dumped outside the city into an unclean place. They are then to take other stones and replace those stones, and he is to take other plaster and replaster the house. If the infection returns and breaks out in the house after he has pulled out the stones, scraped the house, and it is replastered, the priest is to come and examine it. And if the infection is spread in the house, it is a malignant disease in the house. It is unclean. He must tear down the house, its stones, its wood, and all the plaster of the house, and bring all of it outside the city to an unclean place. Anyone who enters the house all the days the priest has quarantined it will be unclean until evening. Anyone who lies down in the house must wash his clothes. Anyone who eats in the house must wash his clothes. If, however, the priest enters and examines it, and the infection is not spread in the house after the house has been replastered, then the priest is to pronounce the house clean because the infection has been healed. Then he is to take two birds, a piece of cedar wood, a scrap of crimson fabric, and some twigs of hyssop to purify the house. And he is to slaughter one bird into a clay vessel over fresh water. He must then take the piece of cedar wood, the twigs of hyssop, the scrap of crimson fabric, and the live bird, and dip them in the blood of the slaughtered bird and in the fresh water, and sprinkle the house seven times. So he is to purify the house with the blood of the bird, the fresh water, the live bird, the piece of cedar wood, the twigs of hyssop, and the scrap of crimson fabric. And he is to send the live bird away outside the city into the open countryside. So he is to make atonement for the house, and it will be clean. This is the law for all diseased infections, for skull, for the diseased garment for the house, for the swelling, for the scab, and for the bright spot, to teach when something is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law for dealing with infectious disease. Leviticus chapter 15. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. Now this is his uncleanliness in regard to his discharge. Whether his body secretes his discharge or blocks his discharge, he is unclean. All the days that his body has a discharge or his body blocks his discharge, this is his uncleanness. Any bed the man with a discharge lies on will be unclean, and any furniture he sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches his bed must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. The one who sits on the furniture the man with a discharge sits on must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. The one who touches the body of the man with a discharge must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. If the man with a discharge spits on a person who is ceremonially clean, that person must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. 
Any means of riding that the man with a discharge rides on will be unclean. Anyone who touches anything that was under him will be unclean until evening. And the one who carries those items must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. Anyone whom the man with a discharge touches without having rinsed his hands in water must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. A clay vessel which the man with a discharge touches must be broken, and any wooden utensil must be rinsed in water. When the man with a discharge becomes clean from his discharge, he is to count off for himself seven days for his purification, and he must wash his clothes, bathe in fresh water, and be clean. Then, on the eighth day, he is to take for himself two turtle doves or two young pigeons, and he is to present himself before the Lord at the entrance of the meeting tent and give them to the priest. And the priest is to make one of them a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. So the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord for his discharge. When a man has a seminal emission, he must bathe his whole body in water and be unclean until evening. And he must wash in water any clothing or leather that has semen on it, and it will be unclean until evening. As for a woman whom a man goes to bed with, then has a seminal emission, they must bathe in water and be unclean until evening. When a woman has a discharge, and her discharge is blood from her body, she is to be in her menstruation seven days, and anyone who touches her will be unclean until evening. Anything she lies on during her menstruation will be unclean, and anything she sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches her bed must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. Anyone who touches any furniture she sits on must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. If there is something on the bed or on the furniture she sits on, when he touches it, he will be unclean until evening. And if a man actually goes to bed with her so that her menstrual impurity touches him, then he will be unclean seven days, and any bed he lies on will be unclean. When a woman's discharge of blood flows many days, not at the time of her menstruation, or if it flows beyond the time of her menstruation, all the days of her discharge of impurity will be like the days of her menstruation. She is unclean. Any bed she lies on all the days of her discharge will be to her like the bed of her menstruation. Any furniture she sits on will be unclean like the impurity of her menstruation. And anyone who touches them will be unclean. And he must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. If she becomes clean from her discharge, then she is to count off for herself seven days, and afterward she will be clean. Then on the eighth day, she must take for herself two turtle doves or two young pigeons, and she must bring them to the priest at the entrance of the meeting tent. And the priest is to make one a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. So the priest is to make atonement for her before the Lord from her discharge of impurity. Thus, you are to set the Israelites apart from their impurity so that they do not die in their impurity by defiling my tabernacle, which is in their midst. This is the law for the one with a discharge. For the one who has a seminal emission and becomes unclean by it, for the one who is sick in her menstruation, for the one with a discharge, whether male or female, and for a man who goes to bed with an unclean woman. Chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's sons when they approached the presence of the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother that he must not enter at any time into the holy place inside the special curtain in front of the atonement lid that is on the ark, so that he may not die for I will appear at the cloud over the atonement lid. In this way, Aaron is to enter into the sanctuary with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put a holy linen tunic. Linen leggings are to cover his body, and he is to wrap himself with a linen sash and wrap his head with a linen turban. They are holy garments, so he must bathe his body in water and put them on. 
He must also take two male goats from the congregation of the Israelites for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron is to present the sin offering bull, which is for himself. It is to make atonement on behalf of himself and his household. Next, he must take the two goats and stand them before the Lord at the entrance of the meeting tent. And Aaron is to cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and one lot for Azazel. Aaron must then present the goat which has been designated by lot for the Lord, and he is to make it a sin offering. But the goat which has been designated by lot for Azazel is to be stood alive before the Lord to make atonement on it by sending it away into the desert to Azazel. Aaron is to present the sin offering bowl, which is for himself, and he is to make atonement on behalf of himself and his household. He is to slaughter the sin offering bowl, which is for himself, and take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and a full double handful of finely ground fragrant incense, and bring them inside the curtain. He must then put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the cloud of incense will cover the atonement lid, which is above the ark of the testimony, so that he will not die. Then he has to take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the eastern face of the atonement lid. And in front of the atonement lid, he is to sprinkle some of the blood seven times with his finger. Aaron must then slaughter the sin offering goat, which is for the people. He is to bring its blood inside the curtain, and he has to do with its blood just as he did to the blood of the bull. He is to sprinkle it on the atonement lid and in front of the atonement lid. So he is to make atonement for the holy place from the impurities of the Israelites and from their transgressions with regard to all their sins. And thus, he is to do for the meeting tent which resides with them in the midst of their impurities. Nobody is to be in the meeting tent when he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he goes out, and he has made atonement on his behalf, on behalf of his household, and on behalf of the whole assembly of Israel. Then Aaron is to go out to the altar which is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He is to take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it all around on the horns of the altar. Then he is to sprinkle on it some of the blood with his finger seven times and cleanse and consecrate it from the impurities of the Israelites. When Aaron has finished purifying the holy place, the meeting tent, and the altar, he is to present the live goat. Aaron is to lay his two hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the Israelites and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And thus he is to put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the desert by the hand of a man standing ready. The goat is to bear on itself all their iniquities into an inaccessible land. So he is to send the goat away into the desert. Aaron must then enter the meeting tent and take off the linen garments, which he had put on when he entered the sanctuary, and leave them there. Then he must bathe his body in water in the holy place and put on his clothes and go out and make his burnt offering and the people's burnt offering. So he is to make atonement on behalf of himself and the people. Then he is to offer up the fat of the sin offering and smoke on the altar. And the one who sent the goat away to Azazel must wash his clothes, bathe his body in water, and afterwards he may re-enter the camp. The bull of the sin offering and the goat of the sin offering, whose blood was brought to make atonement in the holy place, must be brought outside the camp, and their hide, their flesh, and their dung must be burned up. And the one who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may re-enter the camp. This is to be a perpetual statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you must humble yourselves and do no work of any kind, both the native citizen and the resident foreigner who lives in your midst. For on this day, atonement is to be made for you to cleanse you from all your sins. You must be clean before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest for you, and you must humble yourselves. It is a perpetual statute. The priest who is anointed and ordained to act as high priest 
in place of his father is to make atonement. He is to put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and he is to purify the most holy place. He is to purify the meeting tent and the altar, and he is to make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This is to be a perpetual statute for you, to make atonement for the Israelites for their sins once a year. So he did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Leviticus chapter 17. The Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to Aaron, his sons, and all the Israelites, and tell them, This is the word that the Lord has commanded. Blood guilt will be accounted to any man from the house of Israel who slaughters an ox or a lamb or a goat inside the camp or outside the camp, but has not brought it to the entrance of the meeting tent to present it as an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord. He has shed blood, so that man will be cut off from the midst of his people. This is so that the Israelites will bring their sacrifices that they are sacrificing in the open field to the Lord at the entrance of the meeting tent to the priest and to sacrifice them there as peace offering sacrifices to the Lord. The priest is to splash the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the meeting tent and offer the fat up in smoke for a soothing aroma to the Lord. So the people must no longer offer their sacrifices to the goat demons, acting like prostitutes by going after them. This is to be a perpetual statute for them throughout their generations. You are to say to them, Any man from the house of Israel, or from the resident foreigner who lives in their midst, who offers a burnt offering or a sacrifice, but does not bring it to the entrance of the meeting tent to offer it to the Lord, that person will be cut off from his people. Any man from the house of Israel, or from the resident foreigners who live in their midst, who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats the blood, and I will cut him off from the midst of his people. For the life of every living thing is in the blood. So I myself have assigned it to you on the altar to make atonement for your lives, for the blood makes atonement by means of the life. Therefore, I have said to the Israelites, no person among you is to eat blood, and no resident foreigner who lives among you is to eat blood. Any man from the Israelites or from the resident foreigners who live in their midst, who hunts a wild animal or a bird that may be eaten, must pour out its blood and cover it with soil. For the life of all flesh is its blood, so I have said to the Israelites, You must not eat the blood of any living thing, because the life of every living thing is its blood. All who eat it will be cut off. Any person who eats an animal that has died of natural causes, or an animal torn by beasts, whether a native citizen or a resident foreigner, must wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. Then he will be clean. But if he does not wash his clothes and does not bathe his body, he will bear his punishment for his iniquity. Chapter 18. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you have been living, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, into which I am about to bring you. You must not walk in their statutes. You must observe my regulations, and you must be sure to walk in my statutes. I am the Lord your God, so you must keep my statutes and my regulations. Anyone who does so will live by keeping them. I am the Lord. No man is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations with her. I am the Lord. You must not expose your father's nakedness by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. You must not have sexual relations with your father's wife. She is your father's nakedness. You must not have sexual relations with your sister, whether she is your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she is born in the same household or born outside it. You must not have sexual relations with either of them. 
you must not expose the nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter by having sexual relations with them because they are your own nakedness. You must not have sexual relations with the daughter of your father's wife born of your father. She is your sister. You must not have sexual relations with her. You must not have sexual relations with your father's sister. She is your father's flesh. You must not have sexual relations with your mother's sister because she is your mother's flesh. You must not expose the nakedness of your father's brother. You must not approach his wife to have marital relations with her. She is your aunt. You must not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You must not have sexual relations with her. You must not have sexual relations with your brother's wife. She is your brother's nakedness. You must not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter. You must not take as wife either her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to have sexual relations with them. They are closely related to her. It is lewdness. You must not take a woman in marriage and then marry her sister as a rival wife while she is still alive to have sexual relations with her. You must not approach a woman in her menstrual impurity to have sexual relations with her. You must not have sexual relations with the wife of your fellow citizen to be unclean with her. You must not give any of your children as an offering to Molech so that you do not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You must not have sexual relations with a male as one has sexual relations with a woman. It is a detestable act. You must not have sexual relations with any animal to become defiled with it. And a woman must not stand before an animal to have sexual relations with it. It is a perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things. For the nations that I am about to drive out before you have been defiled with all these things. Therefore, the land has become unclean, and I have brought the punishment for its iniquity upon it, so that the land has vomited out its inhabitants. You yourselves must obey my statutes and my regulations, and must not do any of these abominations, both the native citizen and the resident foreigner in your midst. For the people who are in the land before you have done all these abominations, and the land has become unclean. So do not make the land vomit you out because you defile it, just as it has vomited out the nations that were before you. For if anyone does any of these abominations, that person who does them will be cut off from the midst of the people. You must obey my charge not to practice any of the abominable statutes that have been done before you, so that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus chapter 19. The Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to the whole congregation of the Israelites and tell them, you must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect his mother and his father and must keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols and you must not take for yourselves gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a peace offering sacrifice to the Lord, you must sacrifice it so that it is accepted for you. It must be eaten on the day of your sacrifice and on the following day, but what is left over until the third day must be burned up. If, however, it is eaten on the third day, it is spoiled. It will not be accepted. And the one who eats it will bear his punishment for iniquity, because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. That person will be cut off from his people. When you gather in the harvest of your land, you must not completely harvest to the corner of your field, and you must not gather up the gleanings of your harvest. You must not pick up your vineyard bare, and you must not gather up the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You must leave them for the poor and the resident foreigner. I am the Lord your God. You must not steal, you must not tell lies, and you must not deal falsely with your fellow citizen. You must not swear falsely in my name, so that you do not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You must not oppress your neighbor or commit robbery against your neighbor. 
You must not withhold the wages of the hired laborer overnight until morning. You must not curse a deaf person or put a stumbling block in front of a blind person. You must fear your God. I am the Lord. You must not deal unjustly in judgment. You must neither show partiality to the poor nor honor the rich. You must judge your fellow citizen fairly. You must not go about as a slanderer among your people. You must not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is at stake. I am the Lord. You must not hate your brother in your heart. You must surely reprove your fellow citizen so that you do not incur sin on account of him. You must not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you must love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You must keep my statutes. You must not allow two different kinds of your animals to breed together. You must not sow your field with two different kinds of seed, and you must not wear a garment made of two different kinds of material. When a man goes to bed with a woman for intercourse, although she is a slave woman designated for another man, and she has not yet been ransomed, or freedom has not been granted to her, there will be an obligation to pay compensation. They must not be put to death because she was not free. He must bring his guilt offering to the Lord at the entrance of the meeting tent, a guilt offering ram, and the priest is to make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering before the Lord for his sin that he has committed, and he will be forgiven of his sin that he has committed. When you enter the land and plant any fruit tree, you must consider its fruit to be forbidden. Three years it will be forbidden to you. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruit will be holy, praise offerings to the Lord. Then in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit to add its produce to your harvest. I am the Lord your God. You must not eat anything with the blood still in it. You must not practice either divination or soothsaying. You must not round off the corners of the hair on your head or ruin the corners of your beard. You must not slash your body for a dead person or incise a tattoo on yourself. I am the Lord. Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute so that the land does not practice prostitution and become full of lewdness. You must keep my Sabbaths and fear my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to the spirits of the dead and do not seek familiar spirits to become unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. You must stand up in the presence of the aged, honor the presence of an elder, and fear your God. I am the Lord. When a resident foreigner lives with you in your land, you must not oppress him. The resident foreigner who lives with you must be to you as a native citizen among you. So you must love the foreigner as yourself, because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You must not do injustice in the regulation of measures, whether of length, weight, or volume. You must have honest balances, honest weights, an honest ephah, and an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt. You must be sure to obey all my statutes and regulations. I am the Lord. Chapter 20 The Lord spoke to Moses, You are to say to the Israelites, Any man from the Israelites, or any of the resident foreigners who live in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, must be put to death. The people of the land must pelt him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and cut him off from the midst of his people because he has given some of his children to Molech and thereby defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. If, however, the people of the land shut their eyes to that man when he gives some of his children to Molech so that they do not put him to death, I myself will set my face against that man and his clan. 
I will cut off from the midst of the people, both him and all who follow after him in spiritual prostitution, committing prostitution by worshiping Molech. The person who turns to the spirits of the dead and familiar spirits to commit prostitution by going after them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from the midst of his people. You must sanctify yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. You must be sure to obey my statutes. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother. His blood guilt is on himself. If a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. If a man goes to bed with his father's wife, he has exposed his father's nakedness. Both of them must be put to death. Their blood guilt is on themselves. If a man goes to bed with his daughter-in-law, both of them must be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood guilt is on themselves. If a man goes to bed with a male as one goes to bed with a woman, the two of them have committed an abomination. They must be put to death. Their blood guilt is on themselves. If a man has marital relations with both a woman and her mother, it is lewdness. Both he and they must be burned to death, so there is no lewdness in your midst. If a man has sexual relations with any animal, he must be put to death, and you must kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal to copulate with it, you must kill the woman, and the animal must be put to death. Their blood guilt is on themselves. If a man has marital relations with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or of his mother, so that he sees her nakedness and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace. They must be cut off in the sight of the children of their people. He has exposed his sister's nakedness. He will bear his punishment for iniquity. If a man goes to bed with a menstruating woman and uncovers her nakedness, he has laid bare her fountain of blood, and she has exposed the fountain of her blood, so both of them must be cut off from the midst of their people. You must not expose the nakedness of your mother's sister or your father's sister, for such a person has exposed his own close relative. They must bear their punishment for iniquity. If a man goes to bed with his aunt, he has exposed his uncle's nakedness. They must bear responsibility for their sin. They will die childless. If a man has marital relations with his brother's wife, it is indecency. He has exposed his brother's nakedness. They will be childless. You must be sure to obey all my statutes and regulations so that the land to which I am about to bring you to take up residence does not vomit you out. You must not walk in the statutes of the nations which I am about to drive out before you because they have done all these things and I am filled with disgust against them. So I have said to you, you yourselves will possess their land and I will myself give it to you for a possession, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from other peoples. Therefore, you must distinguish between the clean animal and the unclean and between the unclean bird and the clean. And you must not make yourselves detestable by means of an animal or bird or anything that creeps on the ground. Creatures I have distinguished for you as unclean. You must be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the other peoples to be mine. A man or a woman who has in them a spirit of the dead or familiar spirit must be put to death. They must pelt them with stones. Their blood guilt is on themselves. Leviticus chapter 21. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the priests, the sons of Aaron, say to them, For a dead person, no priest is to defile himself among his people, except for his close relative who is near to him, his mother, 
his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, and his virgin sister who is near to him, who has no husband, he may defile himself for her. He must not defile himself as a husband among his people, so as to profane himself. Priests must not have a bald spot shaved on their head. They must not shave the corner of their beard. They must not cut slashes in their body. They must be holy to their God, and they must not profane the name of their God, because they are the ones who present the Lord's gifts, the food of their God. Therefore, they must be holy. They must not take a wife defiled by prostitution, nor are they to take a wife divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to his God. You must sanctify him because he presents the food of your God. He must be holy to you because I, the Lord who sanctifies you all, am holy. If a daughter of a priest profanes herself by engaging in prostitution, she is profaning her father. She must be burned to death. The high priest, who is greater than his brothers, and on whose head the anointing oil is poured, and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garments, must neither dishevel the hair of his head nor tear his garments. He must not go where there is any dead person. He must not defile himself even for his father or for his mother. He must not go out from the sanctuary and must not profane the sanctuary of his God because the dedication of the anointing oil of his God is on him. I am the Lord. He must take a wife who is a virgin. He must not marry a widow, a divorced woman, or one profaned by prostitution. He may only take a virgin from his people as a wife so that he may not profane his children among his people. For I am the Lord who sanctifies him. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, No man from your descendants throughout their generations who has a physical flaw is to approach to present the food of his God. Certainly no man who has a physical flaw is to approach, a blind man, or one who is lame, or one with a slit nose, or who has a limb too long, or a man who has had a broken arm or leg, or a hunchback, or a dwarf, or one with a spot in his eye, or a festering eruption, or a feverish rash, or a crushed testicle. No man from the descendants of Aaron the priest who has a physical flaw may step forward to present the Lord's gifts. He has a physical flaw, so he must not step forward to present the food of his God. He may eat both the most holy and the holy food of his God, but he must not go near the special curtain or step forward to the altar because he has a physical flaw. Thus, he must not profane my holy places, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So Moses spoke these things to Aaron, his sons, and all the Israelites. Chapter 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons that they must deal respectfully with the holy offerings of the Israelites, which they consecrate to me, so that they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, Throughout your generations, if any man from all your descendants approaches the holy offerings, which the Israelites consecrate to the Lord, while he is impure, that person must be cut off from before me. I am the Lord. No man from the descendants of Aaron who is diseased or has a discharge may eat the holy offerings until he becomes clean. The one who touches anything made unclean by contact with a dead person or with a man who has a seminal omission or with a man who touches a swarming thing by which he becomes unclean or who touches a person by which he becomes unclean, whatever that person's impurity, the person who touches any of these will be unclean until evening and must not eat from the holy offerings unless he has bathed his body in water. When the sun goes down, he will be clean, and afterward he may eat from the holy offerings because they are his food. He must not eat an animal that has died of natural causes or an animal torn by beasts and thus become unclean by it. I am the Lord. 
They must keep my charge so that they do not incur sin on account of it and therefore die because they profane it. I am the Lord who sanctifies them. No lay person may eat anything holy. Neither a priest lodger nor a hired laborer may eat anything holy. But if a priest buys a person with his own money, that person may eat the holy offerings and those born in the priest's own house may eat his food. If a priest's daughter marries a layperson, she may not eat the holy contribution offerings. But if a priest's daughter is a widow or divorced, and she has no children, so that she returns to live in her father's house as in her youth, she may eat from her father's food. But no layperson may eat it. If a man eats a holy offering by mistake, he must add one-fifth to it and give the holy offering to the priest. They must not profane the holy offerings which the Israelites contribute to the Lord, and so cause them to incur a penalty for guilt when they eat their holy offerings. For I am the Lord who sanctifies them. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to Aaron, his sons, and all the Israelites, and tell them, When any man from the house of Israel, or from the resident foreigners in Israel, presents his offering for any of the votive or freewill offerings which they present to the Lord as a burnt offering, If it is to be acceptable for your benefit, it must be a flawless male from the cattle, sheep, or goats. You must not present anything that has a flaw, because it will not be acceptable for your benefit. If a man presents a peace offering sacrifice to the Lord for a special votive offering, or for a freewill offering from the herd or the flock, it must be flawless to be acceptable. It must have no flaw. You must not present to the Lord something blind, or with a broken bone, or mutilated, or with a running sore or with a festering eruption, or with a feverish rash. You must not give any of these as a gift on the altar to the Lord. As for an ox or a sheep with a limb too long or stunted, you may present it as a free will offering, but it will not be acceptable for a votive offering. You must not present to the Lord something with testicles that are bruised, crushed, torn, or cut off. You must not do this in your land. Even from a foreigner, you must not present the food of your God from such animals as these for they are ruined and flawed. They will not be acceptable for your benefit. The Lord spoke to Moses, When an ox, lamb, or goat is born, it must be under the care of its mother seven days. But from the eighth day onward, it will be acceptable as an offering gift to the Lord. You must not slaughter an ox or a sheep and its young on the same day. When you sacrifice a thanksgiving offering to the Lord, you must sacrifice it so that it is acceptable for your benefit. On that very day, it must be eaten. You must not leave any part of it over until morning. I am the Lord. You must be sure to do my commandments. I am the Lord. You must not profane my holy name, and I will be sanctified in the midst of the Israelites. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Leviticus chapter 23. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, These are the Lord's appointed times, which you must proclaim as holy assemblies, my appointed times. Six days work may be done, but on the seventh day, there must be a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy assembly. You must not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all the places where you live. These are the Lord's appointed times, holy assemblies, which you must proclaim at their appointed time. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is a Passover offering to the Lord. Then, on the fifteenth day of the same month, will be the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day, there will be a holy assembly for you. You must not do any regular work. You must present a gift to the Lord for seven days. And the seventh day is a holy assembly. You must not do any regular work. 
the Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you enter the land that I am about to give to you, and you gather in its harvest, then you must bring the sheaf of the first portion of your harvest to the priest, and he must wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for your benefit. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest is to wave it. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must also offer a flawless yearling lamb for a burnt offering to the Lord. Along with its grain offering, two-tenths of an ephah of choice wheat flour mixed with olive oil as a gift to the Lord, a soothing aroma, and its drink offering, one-fourth of a hin of wine. You must not eat bread, roasted grain, or fresh grain until this very day, until you bring the offering to your God. This is a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all the places where you live. You must count for yourselves seven weeks from the day after the Sabbath, From the day you bring the wave offering sheaf, they must be complete weeks. You must count 50 days until the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then you must present a new grain offering to the Lord. From the place where you live, you must bring two loaves of bread for a wave offering. They must be made from two-tenths of an ephah of fine wheat flour baked with yeast as firstfruits to the Lord. Along with the loaves of bread, you must also present seven flawless yearling lambs, one young bull, and two rams. They are to be a burnt offering to the Lord along with their grain offering and drink offerings, a gift of a soothing aroma to the Lord. You must also offer one male goat for a sin offering and two yearling lambs for a peace offering sacrifice. And the priest is to wave them, the two lambs, along with the bread of the first fruits, as a wave offering before the Lord. They will be holy to the Lord for the priest. On this very day, you must proclaim an assembly. It is to be a holy assembly for you. You must not do any regular work. This is a perpetual statute in all the places where you live throughout your generations. Whether you gather in the harvest of your land, you must not completely harvest the corner of your field, and you must not gather up the gleanings of your harvest. You must leave them for the poor and the resident foreigner. I am the Lord your God. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you must have a complete rest, a memorial announced by loud horn blasts, a holy assembly. You must not do any regular work, but you must present a gift to the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, The tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It is to be a holy assembly for you, and you must humble yourselves and present a gift to the Lord. You must not do any work on this particular day, because it is a day of atonement to make atonement for yourselves before the Lord your God. Indeed, any person who does not behave with humility on this particular day will be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on this particular day, I will exterminate that person from the midst of his people. You must not do any work. This is a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all the places where you live. It is a Sabbath of complete rest for you, and you must humble yourselves on the ninth day of the month in the evening. From evening until evening, you must observe your Sabbath. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month is the Feast of Shelters for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy assembly. You must do no regular work. For seven days you must present a gift to the Lord. On the eighth day there is to be a holy assembly for you, and you must present a gift to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly day. You must not do any regular work. These are the appointed times of the Lord that you must proclaim as holy assemblies to present a gift to the Lord burnt offering, grain offering, sacrifice, and drink offerings, each day according to its regulation. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord and all your gifts, votive offerings, and freewill offerings, which you must give to the Lord. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you gather in the produce of the land, you must celebrate a pilgrim festival of the Lord for seven days. 
On the first day is a complete rest, and on the eighth day is complete rest. On the first day, you must take for yourselves branches from majestic trees, palm branches, branches of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you must rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You must celebrate it as a pilgrim festival to the Lord for seven days in the year. This is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You must celebrate it in the seventh month. You must live in temporary shelters for seven days. Every native citizen in Israel must live in shelters, so that your future generations may know that I made the Israelites live in shelters when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the Israelites about the appointed times of the Lord. Chapter 24 The Lord spoke to Moses, Command the Israelites to make to you pure oil of beaten olives for the light, to make a lamp burn continually. Outside the special curtain of the congregation in the meeting tent, Aaron must arrange it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. This is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. On the ceremonially pure lampstand, he must arrange the lamps before the Lord continually. You must take choice wheat flour and bake twelve loaves. There must be two-tenths of an ephah of flour in each loaf. And you must set them in two rows, six in a row, on the ceremonially pure table before the Lord. You must put pure frankincense on each row, and it will become a memorial portion for the bread, a gift to the Lord. Each Sabbath day, Aaron must arrange it before the Lord continually. This portion is from the Israelites as a perpetual covenant. It will belong to Aaron and his sons, and they must eat it in a holy place because it is most holy to him, a perpetually allotted portion from the gifts of the Lord. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the Israelites, and the Israelite woman's son and an Israelite man had a fight in the camp. The Israelite woman's son misused the name and cursed, so they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was Shulamith, daughter of Debri of the tribe of Dan. So they placed him in custody until they were able to make a clear legal decision for themselves based on the words from the mouth of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Bring the one who cursed outside the camp, and all who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and the whole congregation is to stone him to death. Moreover, you are to tell the Israelites, if any man curses his God, he will bear responsibility for his sin. And the one who misuses the name of the Lord must surely be put to death. The whole congregation must surely stone him, whether he is a resident foreigner or a native citizen. When he misuses the name, he must be put to death. If a man beats any person to death, he must be put to death. One who beats an animal to death must make restitution for it, life for life. If a man inflicts an injury on his fellow citizen, just as he has done, it must be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he inflicts an injury on another person, that same injury must be inflicted on him. One who beats an animal to death must make restitution for it, but one who beats a person to death must be put to death. There will be one regulation for you, whether a resident foreigner or a native citizen, for I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the Israelites, and they brought the one who cursed outside the camp and stoned him with stones. So the Israelites did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Leviticus chapter 25. The Lord spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai. Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you may sow your field, and six years you may prune your vineyard and gather the produce. But in the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath of complete rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You must not gather in the aftergrowth of your harvest. 
and you must not pick the grapes of your unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. You may have the Sabbath produce of the land to eat. You, your male servant, your female servant, your hired worker, the resident foreigner who stays with you, your cattle, and the wild animals that are in your land. All its produce will be for you to eat. You must count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, and the days of the seven weeks of years will amount to 49 years. You must sound loud horn blasts in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month on the Day of Atonement. You must sound the horn in your entire land. So you must consecrate the fiftieth year, and you must proclaim a release in the land for all its inhabitants. That year will be your jubilee. Each one of you must return to his property, and each one of you must return to his clan. That fiftieth year will be your jubilee. You must not sow the land, harvest its aftergrowth, or pick the grapes of its unpruned vines. Because that year is a jubilee, it will be holy to you. You may eat its produce from the land. In this year of jubilee, you must each return to your property. If you make a sale to your fellow citizen or buy from your fellow citizen, no one is to wrong his brother. You may buy it from your fellow citizen according to the number of years since the last jubilee. He may sell it to you according to the years of produce that are left. The more years there are, the more you may make its purchase price. And the fewer years there are, the less you must make its purchase price, because he is only selling to you a number of years of produce. No one is to oppress his fellow citizen, but you must fear your God, because I am the Lord your God. You must obey my statutes and my regulations. You must be sure to keep them, so that you may live securely in the land. The land will give you its fruit, and you may eat until you are satisfied, and you may live securely in the land. If you say, What will we produce in the seventh year if we do not sow and gather our produce? I will command my blessing for you in the sixth year, so that it may yield the produce for three years. And you may sow the eighth year and eat from that sixth year's produce, old produce. Until you bring in the ninth year's produce, you may eat old produce. The land must not be sold without reclaim, because the land belongs to me. For you are foreign residents, temporary settlers with me. In all your landed property, you must provide for the right of redemption of the land. If your brother becomes impoverished and sells some of his property, his near redeemer is to come to you and redeem what his brother sold. If a man has no redeemer, but he prospers and gains enough for its redemption, he is to calculate the value of the years it was sold, refund the balance to the man to whom he had sold it, and return to his property. If he has not prospered enough to refund a balance to him, then what he sold will belong to the one who bought it until the jubilee year, but it must revert in the jubilee, and the original owner may return to his property. If a man sells a residential house in a walled city, its right of redemption must extend until one full year from its sale. Its right of redemption must extend to a full calendar year. If it is not redeemed before the full calendar year is ended, the house in the walled city will belong without reclaim to the one who bought it throughout his generations. It will not revert in the jubilee. The houses of villages, however, which have no walls surrounding them, must be considered as the field of the land. They will have the right of redemption and must revert in the jubilee. As for the cities of the Levites, the houses in the cities which they possess, the Levites must have a perpetual right of redemption. Whatever someone among the Levites must redeem, the sale of a house which is his property in a city, must revert in the Jubilee, because the houses of the cities of the Levites are their property in the midst of the Israelites. Moreover, the open field areas of their cities must not be sold, because that is their perpetual possession. If your brother becomes impoverished and is indebted to you, you must support him. He must live with you like a foreign resident. Do not take interest or profit from him, but you must fear your God, and your brother must live with you. 
You must not lend him your money at interest, and you must not sell him food for profit. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan to be your God. If your brother becomes impoverished with regard to you, so that he sells himself to you, you must not subject him to slave service. He must be with you as a hired worker, as a resident foreigner. He must serve you until the year of Jubilee, but then he may go free, he and his children with him, and may return to his family and to the property of his ancestors. Since the Israelites are my servants, whom I brought out from the land of Egypt, they must not be sold in a slave sale. You must not rule over them harshly, but you must fear your God. As for your male and female slaves who may belong to you, you may buy male and female slaves from the nations all around you. Also, you may buy slaves from the children of the foreigners who reside with you and from the families that are with you, whom they have fathered in your land. They may become your property. You may give them as an inheritance to your children after you to possess as property. You may enslave them perpetually. However, as for your brothers, the Israelites, no man may rule over his brother harshly. If a resident foreigner who is with you prospers and your brother becomes impoverished with regard to him so that he sells himself to a resident foreigner who is with you or to a member of a foreigner's family, after he has sold himself, he retains a right of redemption. One of his brothers may redeem him or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him or any one of the rest of his blood relatives, his family may redeem him or if he prospers, he may redeem himself. He must calculate with the one who bought him the number of years from the year he sold himself to him until the Jubilee year. And the cost of his sale must correspond to the number of years according to the rate of wages a hired worker would have earned while with him. If there are still many years, in keeping with them, he must refund most of the cost of his purchase for his redemption. But if only a few years remain until the Jubilee, he must calculate for himself in keeping with the remaining years and refund it for his redemption. He must be with the one who bought him like a yearly hired worker. The one who bought him must not rule over him harshly in your sight. If, however, he is not redeemed in these ways, he must go free in the Jubilee year, he and his children with him, because the Israelites are my own servants. They are my servants whom I brought out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Chapter 26. You must not make for yourselves idols. So you must not set up for yourselves a carved image or a pillar. And you must not place a sculpted stone in your land to bow down before it. For I am the Lord your God. You must keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and are sure to obey my commandments, I will give you rains in their time, so that the land will give its yield, and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Threshing season will extend for you until the season for harvesting grapes, and the season for harvesting grapes will extend until sowing season. So you will eat your bread until you are satisfied, and you will live securely in your land. I will grant peace in the land, so that you will lie down to sleep without anyone terrifying you. I will remove harmful animals from the land, and no sword of war will pass through your land. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will pursue a hundred, and a hundred of you will pursue ten thousand, and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you, make you fruitful, multiply you, and maintain my covenant with you. You will still be eating stored produce from the previous year, and you will have to clean out what is stored from the previous year to make room for new. I will put my tabernacle in your midst, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, from being their slaves, and I broke the bars of your yoke and caused you to walk upright. 
If, however, you do not obey me and keep all these commandments, if you reject my statutes and abhor my regulations so that you do not keep all my commandments and you break my covenant, I, for my part, will do this to you. I will inflict horror on you, consumption and fever which diminish eyesight and drain away the vitality of life. You will sow your seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you. You will be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when there is no one pursuing you. If, in spite of all these things, you do not obey me, I will discipline you seven times more on account of your sins. I will break your strong pride and make your sky like iron and your land like bronze. Your strength will be used up in vain. Your land will not give its yield, and the trees of the land will not produce their fruit." If you walk in hostility against me and are not willing to obey me, I will increase your affliction seven times according to your sins. I will send the wild animals against you, and they will bereave you of your children, annihilate your cattle, and diminish your population so that your roads will become deserted. If in spite of these things you do not allow yourselves to be disciplined and you walk in hostility against me, then I myself will also walk in hostility against you and strike you seven times on account of your sins. I will bring on you an avenging sword, a covenant vengeance. Although you will gather together into your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you will be given into enemy hands. When I break off your supply of bread, ten women will bake your bread in one oven. They will ration your bread by weight, and you will eat it and not be satisfied." If in spite of this you do not obey me, but walk in hostility against me, I will walk in hostile rage against you, and I myself will also discipline you seven times on account of your sins. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars, and I will stack your dead bodies on top of the lifeless bodies of your idols. I will abhor you. I will lay your cities waste and make your sanctuaries desolate and I will refuse to smell your soothing aromas. I myself will make the land desolate, and your enemies who live in it will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nations and unsheath the sword after you, so your land will become desolate and your cities will become a waste. Then the land will make up for its Sabbaths all the days it lies desolate while you are in the land of your enemies. Then the land will rest and make up its Sabbaths. All the days of the desolation, it will have the rest it did not have on your Sabbaths when you lived on it. As for the ones who remain among you, I will bring despair into their hearts in the land of their enemies. The sound of a blowing leaf will pursue them, and they will flee as one who flees the sword, and will fall down even though there is no pursuer. They will stumble over each other as those who flee before a sword, though there is no pursuer, and there will be no one to take a stand for you before your enemies." You will perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will consume you. As for the ones who remain among you, they will rot away because of their iniquity in the land of your enemies. And they will also rot away because of their ancestors' iniquities, which are with them. However, when they confess their iniquity and their ancestors' iniquities, which they committed by trespassing against me, but which they also walked in hostility against me, and I myself will walk in hostility against them and bring them into the land of their enemies." And then their uncircumcised hearts become humbled and they make up for their iniquities. I will remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham. And I will remember the land. The land will be abandoned by them in order that it may make up for its Sabbaths, 
while it is made desolate without them. And they will make up for their iniquity because they have rejected my regulations and have abhorred my statutes. In spite of this, however, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them and abhor them to make a complete end of them, to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out from the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes, regulations, and instructions which the Lord established between himself and the Israelites at Mount Sinai through Moses. Leviticus chapter 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, when a man makes a special vote of offering based on the conversion value of a person to the Lord, the conversion value of the male from 20 years old up to 60 years old is 50 shekels by the standard of the sanctuary shekel. If a person is a female, the conversion value is 30 shekels. If the person is from 5 years old up to 20 years old, the conversion value of the male is 20 shekels and for the female, 10 shekels. If the person is one month old up to five years old, the conversion value of the male is five shekels of silver, and for the female, the conversion value is three shekels of silver. If the person is from 60 years old and older, if he is a male, the conversion value is 15 shekels, and for the female, 10 shekels. If the person making the vote of offering is too poor to pay the conversion value, he must stand the person before the priest, and the priest will establish his conversion value according to what the man who made the vote of offering can afford, and the priest will establish his conversion value. If what is vowed is a kind of animal from which an offering may be presented to the Lord, anything which he gives to the Lord from this kind of animal will be holy. He must not replace or exchange it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he does indeed exchange one animal for another animal, then both the original animal and its substitute will be holy. If what is vowed is an unclean animal from which an offering must not be presented to the Lord, then he must stand the animal before the priest, and the priest will establish its conversion value, whether good or bad, according to the conversion value assessed by the priest, thus it will be. If, however, the person who made the vow redeems the animal, he must add one-fifth to its conversion value. If a man consecrates his house as holy to the Lord, the priest will establish its conversion value, whether good or bad, just as the priest establishes its conversion value, thus it will stand. If the one who consecrates it redeems his house, he must add to it one-fifth of its conversion value in silver, and it will belong to him. If a man consecrates to the Lord some of his own landed property, the conversion value must be calculated in accordance with the amount of seed needed to sow it, a homer of barley seed being priced at 50 shekels of silver. If he consecrates his field in the jubilee year, the conversion value will stand. But if he consecrates his field after the jubilee, the priest will calculate the price for him according to the years that are left until the next jubilee year, and it will be deducted from the conversion value. If, however, the one who consecrated the field redeems it, he must add to it one-fifth of the conversion price, and it will belong to him. If he does not redeem the field, but sells the field to someone else, he may never redeem it. When it reverts in the Jubilee, the field will be holy to the Lord, like a permanently dedicated field, it will become the priest's property. If he consecrates to the Lord a field he has purchased, which is not part of his own landed property, the priest will calculate for him the amount of its conversion value until the Jubilee year, and he must pay the conversion value on that jubilee day as something that is holy to the Lord. In the jubilee year, the field will return to the one from whom he bought it, the one to whom it belongs as landed property. Every conversion value must be calculated by the standard of the sanctuary shekel. 
twenty geras to the shekel. Surely no man may consecrate a firstborn that already belongs to the Lord as a firstborn among the animals. Whether it is an ox or a sheep, it belongs to the Lord. If, however, it is among the unclean animals, he may ransom it according to its conversion value and must add one-fifth to it. But if it is not redeemed, it must be sold according to its conversion value. Surely anything that a man permanently dedicates to the Lord from all that belongs to him, whether from people, animals, or his landed property, must be neither sold nor redeemed. Anything permanently dedicated is most holy to the Lord. Any human being who is permanently dedicated to the Lord must not be ransomed. Such a person must be put to death. Any tithe of the land, from the grain of the land or from the fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man redeems part of his tithe, however, he must add one-fifth to it. All the tithe of herds or flocks, everything which passes under the rod, the tenth one will be holy to the Lord. The owner must not examine the animals to distinguish between good and bad, and he must not exchange it. If, however, he does exchange it, both the original animal and its substitute will be holy and must not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses to tell the Israelites at Mount Sinai. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, netbible.com. Copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC. All rights reserved.